You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. What makes you uniquely different? Is it your hobbies, the way you dress, your hair color, your writing style? Maybe it's something else. Knowing what makes you different from everyone else can help you define your brand and stand out in a potentially crowded marketplace. But what if you're not quite sure how you are different? Today we're talking to Tara Gentile. Tara is the founder of Quiet Power Strategy, which offers hands-on training and support for idea-driven entrepreneurs. She's also the host of Profit Power Pursuit, a podcast that goes behind the scenes to discover the grit, administration, and logistics of running a successful business. In this conversation, Tara tells us why knowing your unique differences is crucial, and she shares how to find out what those differences are, why introverts make really good online business owners, and how consistency in messaging is crucial to driving readers from your free content to your paid offerings. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, Get our free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com slash reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Now let's find out how Tara Gentile achieved her reach. Hi, Tara. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we love having you as a ConvertKit customer. I've been a huge fan of your work for a long time. Um, and followed your your path throughout the years from um, your various different websites and um, in, through to a signature product and and program um, through your mentorship course and and everything you've done all the way to several now creative live classes that you have and and your own podcast and so. For those who haven't followed you as closely as, as I have, um, could you share a little bit about your history, um, maybe just in the past couple of years of being an online business owner? Sure. Um, so I've been at this for about seven and a half years now. So there is lots of stuff that I've done in the past that has nothing to do <laughs> with what I do now. Um, and I think that's the case for uh, most of us who've been in, in business even uh, less time than that. Um, but I feel sometimes I feel like an old geezer in online business world. Um, but the last few years have really been uh, me focused on honing my methodology, honing how I work with clients and uh, kind of iterating that into uh, what you mentioned, which is our, our signature program or our signature methodology that we use in a number of different ways now. Uh, and we call that quiet power strategy. It's the idea that we can build a fully strategic, uh, you know, smart business plan based on what makes you personally most effective and compelling, uh, and also what makes you different. And so, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, talk about, you know, being your best self or, you know, doing things your way. But we like to take that a, a step further, or a few steps further, rather, and give you a really concrete set of exercises, tools, um, you know, ways of thinking to use that in a way that that actually helps you build a strong business foundation. Uh, and so we offer that as a uh, coaching program. 
We off, and then we offer sort of splinters off of that for a number of different objectives. And we really are a team-based business now. Um, you know, I'm I'm the one that gets to talk on the fun interviews like this one. Um, but we have <laughs> other people that deliver our services. We have a great support uh, support team, and uh, it's the last few years have been uh, kind of just a big time of of growth and figuring out what works for us, and uh, and and seeing what the business looks like beyond me delivering uh, services or even delivering programs myself. So Quiet Power Strategy is really built around this idea of what makes you different and um, and is unique to you that helps you stand out, not only in the marketplace, but to your ideal clients. And it makes the work more fulfilling to be your unique self in in your work. So it makes me wonder, what makes you different, Tara? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, so what makes me different? Um, I, well, there, I mean, there's lots of, there's so many people that do what I do out there, right? There's so many people who can help you build a business or who can help you make more money, who can help you build out your team, who can help you develop products. Um, and so when I am developing things, when I'm thinking about my brand, I am really focused on what makes me different and even more so what makes me different compared to the rest of the market, which I think is something that we don't do often enough. We uh, just focus on ourselves, which is great. Um, but it's always us in relation to something else because people are naturally comparing the different businesses they use or engage with uh against the other businesses they use and engage with, right? So one hallmark of my brand is that we're a little geekier <laughs> than a lot of the <laughs> other kind of female-driven brands. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Star Trek and Doctor Who and Game of Thrones, and I, um, I'm i a geek, and I always have been, always will be, and that's a big part of my brand. Um, and then sort of, uh, you know, Alongside that, uh, we also strive to be pretty intellectual, actually. <laughs> and uh, it's not for us, it's, it's, you know, being having fun at business is actually diving in and looking at the nitty gritty and figuring out how these things work and not just trying to put band-aid solutions on things, but really diving into core problems. And, and that is, that's something that is important to me personally. Um, it's something that's important to my customers. And so it's, also become this real hallmark of our brand as well. So those are probably the two big things. And then there's all sorts of little things that I include, um, you know, in, in social media or in my blog or in stories and email that also kind of shape how people see me and how people see the brand. And that could be anything from my love of craft beer to, you know, how much I travel uh, to, you know, my particular fashion sense. Um, and so it's all those all those little things that kind of build up a whole story of who I am and then, you know, who I am as to how our brand is represented as well. So, so many bloggers, especially people who are new to being online and, um, you know, potentially having what you write or put out there on a video or anything that you create, seen by thousands or millions of people. And um, most people who are getting into that place to begin with think, 
I I don't want to really stand out and be different. Um, I don't want to tell people that I love Game of Thrones or, um, you know, <laughs> that I, um, you know, I don't like I'm going to wear my contacts instead of my glasses and, you know, or I'm going to straighten my curly hair or whatever it is that, you know, you've kind of done like it's like you go into high school mode almost like what do you do to blend in with everybody else so that nobody really notices you and and that can be a real downfall um and that's your expertise so i would love to hear your thoughts on you know how people can can try on a little bit of their real selves which feels like a funny thing to try on because it's just who you are but you almost have to like pretend you're you, right? Or is it is there some kind of trick that someone who f- is uncomfortable with putting themselves out there can can do or a way they can get, move past that a little bit? Yes, and I could um <laughs> I could talk about this all day long. <laughs> um and there's uh, like there's so many different angles to answer this question going on in my head right now. Uh so yes, I think first of all, people need to realize what is what is actually going on, which is what you what you said exactly is that one of the reasons you're not getting traction with your business is because you've gone into this high school mode of trying to blend in. Only what you think you're doing is emulating those people who are further along than you, who are more established than you, have a brand identity that is more concrete than yours. And so you think you're doing the right thing, but what you're really doing is blending in, just like you said. And so the the first thing to do is to realize that that's what's going on and that the best thing you can do for your brand is to consciously define your brand or yourself against what is already existing. So, um, you know, I know people hate looking at the rest of the market because it can, or, you know, they get nervous looking at the rest of the market at the least because it can create this like comparison trap, right? Uh, but I think it's really, really important uh, in understanding who you are and what your brand is going to be to look at your business in relation to the rest of the market, which means you have to look at the rest of the market. So look at who else is out there. Look at who you are looking up to. Look at who your role models are in the industry. Look at the people you don't like in your industry or the businesses that you don't like in your industry. And start to define your brand uh, against those things. So if one person chooses red, you choose blue. If one person chooses um, sparkles, you choose rainbows, you know, mm-hmm. and at the at the beginning, it is almost, I think, that contrived because we don't know who we are in relation to our own businesses. And the more that you can just say, all right, I'm going to figure this out like it's a math problem, as Vanessa Van Edwards would say, <laughs> then the more you can really start to discover, okay, these are the things that fit me and these are the things that don't fit me. But until you put that line in the sand, until you put down on paper, these are the things I'm going to represent, you can't really figure that out. Um, to the second part of your question, you know, are there things that h- how can we kind of try on this personality or how can we try on a set of values even for our business? This is where um, I think I uh, and many people like me are uniquely gifted as introverts being in business. Um, now, my my work is often conflated with, you know, I, I'm not 
just a business coach for introverts. I am an introvert myself. I work with a lot of introverts, but we love helping everyone. Um, however, this is one of the skill sets that introverts have naturally that does make them so good at doing business, especially online. And that is that introverts learn at a very early age to have a public persona and a private persona. Right, like I used to, so I used to manage a bookstore, a very large Borders bookstore, um, and you know I'd be talking to hundreds of people every day, plus managing my staff of thirty to forty people, and I—that's not me, right? Like that's not my natural, comfortable state. Uh, even though I'm really good at it and even though I enjoy it, right? And so I knew that when I walked through the doors of that bookstore, I needed to put on my public persona hat. I needed to step into character, essentially, and become that person who was me, but was me publicly, was me with other people, was me being a leader, you know? And so I had developed what that character was. I developed that hat that I could put on on a day-to-day basis. And then when I left the building, I could take it off. And I do the exact same thing in my business today. In fact, I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm doing it uh, when I step on into a webinar. I'm doing it when I step on stage at a conference. I'm definitely doing it when I'm sitting in my seat at a conference because Lord knows I'd rather be on stage than trying to make small talk with new people, even though I want to meet new people. <laughs> so um, so that, I think, is another important aspect, is to realize that your brand isn't just who you are. It's not everything you are. It's not the same thing as who you are. Instead, it's a character. It's a set of values. It's, um, it is something that is kind of contrived. It's authentic in its contrivedness, but it's still contrived. It's still something that we can strategically plan based on who we really are. So that kind of goes back to that first thing I said. You really want to think about, like, what are the things that I want people to remember about me? What are the things that I want people to say about me or my business? Uh, What do I want to represent in the marketplace? So for me, that's being a geek and loving it. That's um, being intellectual or a nerd and loving it. Um, That's being um, a little bit more of a tomboy than, you know, a lot of the other women that do what I do online. And uh, all of those things uh, kind of mesh together to create that persona that I have and that my brand represents. Uh, And it's something that I can put on and take off at will so that I'm not constantly living in this world of, you know, hustling and, uh, you know, networking and and pushing, 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 um, but that I can also take it off at night uh, or, you know, midday even and just say, all right, I'm just going to be me for now. So um, I think that's a really rambling answer to your question, but that's how I approach it. And that's how I coach my clients to approach it as well. Do you feel like doing that has helped you fall in love with yourself a little bit more? Um, I think so many of us are just so judgmental of ourselves. And especially when you go through the process of looking at all these other people, even as just like a base point to to build your brand off of and say what defines you and what makes you different. Um, 
But when you go through that process of looking at everybody else, you can't help but feel like, oh, well, I mean, you know, I'm the I'm the girl with curly hair and glasses, and and in this world of straight-haired blondes with blue eyes, and you know, <laughs> um, it, or like those, you know, the nerdy bits of ourselves, or the super girly bits of ourselves, or the very masculine side, or the feminine. That you know, we all have this thing that we just feel awkward about. Has embracing it on the brand side helped you embrace it more in your everyday life? Yes, absolutely. I mean, for me, uh, the process of developing a business has been a process of personal development as well. And I think that's why uh, these conversations tend to be so intertwined um, in the entrepreneurship world. Uh, and so, yes, developing my brand has absolutely been a way to um, you know, be more comfortable with myself, to like myself more, to feel really, really, really freaking good about myself <laughs> sometimes. Um yeah, it, it 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 has absolutely been a process of figuring out not just figuring out who I am because I think I've had a pretty good idea of who I am over the last 33 years, almost 34 years, but um it's also been a process of of really understanding the value of that. Uh, I have a blog post I wrote a couple of years ago um called something like uh your greatest weakness is your greatest asset and it's it speaks exactly to this question and it's it's all about um looking for that thing that people have told you, you know, you really should change that or you really should tone that down, or that's really not going to help you in the marketplace. <laughs> and using that as the lead indicator of how you should be representing your brand instead of obviously not following their advice, but instead of ignoring their advice and then amplifying that characteristic of yours. So for me, it is absolutely my intellectualism and nerdiness. And we see that even in pop culture today too, right? Like, anti-intellectualism is a very big part of the national conversation right now. I don't like it. Um, and so I'm very proud to stand for uh, an, a more intellectual way of looking at our world, looking at business, looking at culture. Uh, and to me, that's a really important thing. It's been something people have told me to tone down my entire life. Um, and, you know, I can take wisdom from that and I can say, okay, I, I want to be smart and I want to be intelligent about the way I look at things, but I also want to be understood. And that's something I've worked really really, really hard at over the last seven and a half years, because certainly at the beginning, I was not well understood. Uh, and now I'm often very well understood. And, and it is, uh, it's been a, it's, that's been a wonderful journey. But yeah, taking that, that uh, weakness that people have told me about over and over and over again in my life and really using that as a focal point for um, propelling my brand forward and making that such a consistent piece of how I present what we have to offer. Um, it's been a great way to grow my business, but it's also been a fantastic way to remind myself that, you know, it's a, it's a good thing <laughs> that I approach the world and, and the way I think that way. Yeah, I just this morning I was listening to an interview with Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, and mm -hmm. she she said that growing up her father would ask herself and her brother every night at the dinner table, what did you fail at today? And mm. and it just was this and they would celebrate failures. And she says it totally changed her perspective on what failure was and that to her growing up she learned that failure was not trying. 
and um, and just that idea of you know shifting your perspective on weaknesses or or a failure or you know taking the lesson in it because if you just heard don't do that don't do that don't do that and applied that to your brand you might not be where you are today with all the different parts and pieces and all the opportunities that you've had um, and the team that you've grown and everything beyond behind what happens at terragentilly.com. Um, but, you know, you, you've you built a brand around the fact that you learn from the weakness and, uh, and, and you learned the lesson in it, which was, you know, to, to just spin it a little bit and, um, mm-hmm. and turn it into the brand assets instead of, um, and, and, you know, taking that intelligence factor and realizing, okay, so the, the lesson is, I do need to make it more relatable if people are going to understand what I'm talking about. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to dumb it down. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, cool. Okay, so you mentioned uh, that your your programs kind of spin off of each other. And um, in a little bit of studying what you do, um, I've I've seen this. I think that um, Jimmy Daly would probably call it the hub and spoke strategy for for content mm-hmm. and product creation. And I've seen that in a lot of what you do, where you have kind of a core element, and then all these, and that's the hub, and then all these spokes that come off of it. Um, that are all the different products or um, programs, courses, services, blog posts, all of that. Um, would you do you feel like that's an accurate description of how you operate, or how how do you go about thinking about the way you develop programs and products and offerings? Yeah, that's a really accurate uh, description of how we approach things. So um, our hub essentially would be the quiet power strategy methodology, which is a complete start to finish business planning system. Um, You know, we look at brand, we look at customers, we look at product and business model development, we look at marketing and sales campaigns, team building, all of that fits into that methodology. And everything else we do is related to that or built from that in one way or another. Um, And that that methodology also sort of has an ethos behind it. And that ethos is, um, you know, approaching your business intelligently, approaching it uh, with a with a philosophy uh, of or a mindset of ex- uh, experimentation. Um, and also, you know, really diving in and figuring out what works, not what other people tell you what works, not what you feel like works, but actually figuring out what works. Um, and so that ethos then also is sort of part of the hub that other things branch off of. Uh, from there, we have a couple of programs that have more specific outcomes than our core program. Uh, we have Brand Dix, the masterclass that we offer a couple of times a year. That one is around, uh, that one's based on developing transformational experiences. So whether that's systematized services, whether it's a, a course or a program, uh, she helps people develop those, develop and sell that from start to finish. Uh, and then we also offer another program called Connect to Sell, which is a sales methodology based 
based on the QPS structure and ethos as well. Uh, and then, you know, we're kind of constantly in development of other training that fits in that whole scheme as well. Uh, and then the other piece of or the other big piece of the puzzle that we have is an entrepreneurial community called the lab. And we have training there. We have uh, a membership community there that, uh, you know, folks can basically trade resources, trade knowledge, uh, trade ideas uh, as we really connect uh, entrepreneurs with other entrepreneurs, because one of the big problems that we see and another part of our culture of QPS is uh, connecting people, uh, because isolation is such a big problem in our space. Even though we're more connected technically than we've ever been before, most of our members, most of the, our subscribers feel very, very alone in their businesses. And so we try and solve that problem at the same time we're solving their core business challenges as well. And then we have lots of content that branches off of that. Um, And, you know, that's my blog, that's my emails, uh, my Facebook page, and our podcast primarily. Um, And all of those things, uh, I can tie back (laughs) to to QPS and our kind of overall methodology, no problem at all. It makes things really, it makes sales really easy because I can talk about anything I want to talk about, I can relate back to our core offer because of the way we've we've built things over the years. Um, yeah, and then, you know, you've mentioned the creative live classes that I have. Those are all sort of like little bits and pieces of our overall myth- methodology that have specific outcomes. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of like, that's sort of how things work. And we're always constantly pulling people from the outside in uh, and getting them closer and closer to that hub. So, you know, whether they want to do the Quiet Power Strategy program or not, whether they read the book, whether they uh, engage in our membership community, even even if they buy nothing from us, they're still kind of getting pulled closer and closer into that center uh, so that they have uh, the tools and the ideas that they need to run their business the quiet power strategy way. Because I don't think it requires, you know, you to buy something from us to be really part of what we're trying to create as a company. Um, and sort of that that business model or that hub and spoke model, like you mentioned, allows us to do that. And I think it's what makes, uh, it's one of the things that makes our movement and our overall community as powerful as it is. So someone comes to your blog for the first time, sees maybe sees a Facebook post, or I know you do some boosted posts, so they might not even follow you, but see a post randomly and, and click through to it. And it's a piece of free content. It's a copy, you know, it's a blog post or um, a free webinar you're doing or, or something like that. Um, how do you how do you move people through from those outer edges and and do that pulling in um are there some specific things that you do because so many people are creating content and maybe have some lower priced offerings or maybe they have that that membership site up and going but they're working on creating this um, core product that is your hub, but right now all they have is the spokes and they don't have the hub, but they want to have something that they can draw people toward so they can start to create that hub. Um, how, how would you recommend people go from creating content to creating content that points toward a core offering and and moving people, doing that pulling in a little bit with the the audience? 
Yeah, so this has been something that we've been thinking about a lot this year because uh, this has been sort of a rapid growth audience building year <laughs> for us. That's that was our number one goal when we when we set out at the beginning of 2016. So the plan that we're using currently uh, that's working really, really well for us is to really take people step by step by step through what we have to offer. Um, and that pretty much is like a what we have to offer pitch free. <laughs> so we start off um, by introducing people to the very outermost ring of our content. That's the podcast. Uh, it's my blog. And we do that through all sorts of things, interviews like this, advertising, um, what else, uh, you know, speaking engagements, guest posting, the, you know, the whole gamut that people are doing or should be doing. Uh, and uh, we're always, we're constantly pointing back to content because especially in my marketplace, everyone wants your email address. Everyone wants you to sign up for their free video series. Everyone wants, you know, they just want, 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 want. And so yeah. um, at the outer edge, we are constantly just trying to get you to engage with our content because we know uh, that there is enough people out there that if they just engage with the content, they'll love it. They'll, they'll be, you know, they'll have this reaction of finally somebody who speaks my language, finally who's somebody who's asking the questions that I want to ask. Uh, and so we feel really good about making people aware of what we're doing and then immediately engaging them in a way that makes them want more. So then the next step, of course, is that we give them that more piece. And so we'll actually walk them through a couple of steps, whether it's a podcast episode to a blog post or an interview to a podcast episode to a blog post or whatever it might be. We'll walk them through a couple of steps before we ever ask for an email address, um, or at least before we ever ask for one directly. Uh, and so I have that all set up with Facebook ads so that we have an actual Facebook ad funnel going on. So we are targeting completely cold traffic with blog posts, uh, podcast episodes, uh, you know, free books that you don't even need an email address for, that kind of stuff. We're engaging them on the outermost rim of, of our community and then pulling them in that way step by step. Um, I have a recent post on my blog about that if anyone's curious about what exactly that ad strategy looks like. And that's supported through email. It's supported through other kinds of outreach as well. But that that ad funnel is one of the key pieces that we're utilizing right now. And it's working really, really, really well. So okay, we do so that. You, and then... Can I ask you, yeah. though, you have, um, you have a really strong email list, um, both in size and mm -hmm. in, you know, open rates and click through rates and all that. But you don't start right off the bat with and here, give me your email um, in order to get you no. said you have some books that you don't need an email address to get. Um, you, have, you have blog posts that don't have a sign up form attached to them, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So most of our blog posts or, you know, just even the way the website is, is set up, there's passive asks for email addresses, or there's even a pop-up, which for I just reinstituted a pop-up. Guys, put a pop-up on your site. I'm converting crazy amounts of traffic <laughs> with a pop-up um, on a 90-second delay, too. Like, it's just blown my mind. Wow, <laughs> what, yeah. What this, oh, and also... You know, another tip, there's no freebie associated with this with this pop-up. So it's a pop-up on a 90-second delay uh, that just says, get behind-the-scenes emails from me. That's all it says, and it's converting 4% of our traffic right now. 
Wow. So they really want so, to be on your email list because they're not getting anything from it. And they've read, they've been on your site for 90 seconds, which for everyone listening, that's a long time on a, on yeah. a blog page. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that goes exactly to my point of, okay, so we're creating content that once people engage with it, they know they want more of it. And so we're actually using that to our advantage. And this is a way that we stand out because, you know, your Facebook feed right now is full of people asking for your email address, right? It's just, it is cluttered with that crap. (laughs) You don't know who these people are. You've never seen them before. They've got these rags to riches stories that are, sometimes they're believable, but most often not. And it's like, I don't want to be associated with those people. I don't want to be associated with those asks. I don't want people to think that all I want is their email address. Um, and you know, if that's working for you, great. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily poo-pooing that, but I don't want to do it. Uh, and so, yeah, so we've let, decided to lead with completely ungated content. In fact, one of my best performing ads right now is just an ad to the episode of Profit Power Pursuit that I did with Danielle Laporte. Um, and, you know, first I started targeting her audience, then I just targeted random people, and that ad performs super well. The traffic still converts, like, obviously it's not converting at like a landing page rate, but it converts very well for what was just cold traffic. Um, and so that's that's how we're working people through from those outer edges, people who don't know who I am, maybe their friend follows me, maybe they don't, uh, and pulling them. That's how we start pulling them closer in. Then obviously, we, we've got those offers for books or uh, email courses, you know, Obviously, we use ConvertKit's email courses um, a lot <laughs> to get people on the list. Um, and so we're that that's when we ask for that email address. So it's after they've already had a few touch points with our brand, not before. We ask for their email address, um, we convert them, and then we, we're actually sending about three to four times a week right now, which is a big change for us. Uh, and it's been awesome. <laughs> uh, and it's been great for me as a content creator as well, because I'm able to create just a lot more personal, a lot more off the cuff, here's what I'm thinking about, here's what you need to know today kind of content. People are really engaging with that um, and engaging with the brand and obviously seeing it much more often than when we were just uh, mailing once a week. Uh, We do that. And all of that content then, once you're on the list, it starts to all reflect back onto that that core offer that we have. Um, And by offer, again, I'm not necessarily meaning that I'm selling people all the time because I'm not selling people all the time, um, but I'm constantly pointing back to the ideas behind our main products. And I think that's the biggest thing. So, you know, as you mentioned, for people who are, you know, they've maybe they've dabbled in some some lower ticket things, or they've been offering one-on-one services, and they're looking for how to create something more leveraged or scalable. I think the first piece is figuring out what are the themes or what are the ideas behind what you are already doing? What are, which parts of those are most compelling to your audience? You know, they create the best results, they get the most people talking, they get the most people excited. And which of them are the most compelling to you? You know, which are the ones that you get most excited about the ones that you enjoy talking about the most? Take that little Venn diagram, pinpoint the parts that overlap, and use those as the themes for your content over 
over and over again. It doesn't mean you have to write about the same thing every day. You can write about completely different things every day or every week, but you're still pointing back to those themes. And then that's what allows you to make that big high ticket offer, uh, you know, a couple of times a year and get people who have been waiting for it for months because they just knew something was brewing. They knew you had this great idea. They knew that uh, you were the right person to offer them something. And so when you offer it, they're ready to go. Um, but, but you know, that those themes are really, once we decided what they were, once we knew what they were, those are the, the same themes then that we're going to people with on the outside of our hub and spoke setup as well. So, you know, the for us, it's you know going behind the scenes. It's connecting you with other entrepreneurs. It's uh, figuring out the nitty gritty details beyond just the follow your passion crap. Um, those are the themes that we use on the outside, but they're also the themes that we use on the inside as well. And I think that consistency of message is a huge part of making uh, a system like that work. So what do you do if you want to write about something that doesn't fall into one of your themes? Has that happened to you where you feel like, I really want to write about this thing and it has nothing to do with any of my themes that lead back to quiet power strategy? Yeah, I mean, every so often there, I guess there's something that I want to say that doesn't really lead back. But, you know, if it's business related, I can lead it back to my core offer. Like I wrote a post uh, that did really, really well a couple of months ago on uh, my issues with telesummits <laughs> mm-hmm. and why I think they're terrible marketing. And even though it was a it wasn't a very ranty post, I felt like I was ranting. I got some very wonderful compliments on it that said it wasn't ranty at all, which I really appreciated. But even <laughs> though it was something that I was just like, I have got to write this now, I was still able to tie it back. Um, so anything business related, I'm able to tie back. It's the things that aren't business related that I want to say that I I've actually struggled with where to fit that. Like, you know, right now the political climate in in the U.S. is really toxic, and there's a lot that I have to say about it, uh, and I don't know where to put it. Uh, I think it doesn't go in my business. My list does not want to hear about that stuff for me unless it's related to their business, and I have been able to do that in the past for sure. Yeah. Um, um, so for me, it, that's that's kind of an ongoing thing. Um, I don't break from my message, um, and I that's you know a, a piece of advice that I give to my clients as well. Don't break from your message if it's important enough to say to your audience. There's a way to relate it back to your message. Uh, otherwise, you know, put it someplace else. Put it on Medium. Put it on your Facebook profile instead of your page. Um, you know, put it on your personal Instagram. You know, write write it up and put it somewhere. Absolutely, share it with people. But you know, you can do that as a person, as a human, instead of as a founder or as a business owner. And I think that's I th- I think that that's an important thing that we have to wrestle with. Is there are some things that we want to say that don't actually fit with our message, and then they don't fit with our business either. That's really huge for uh, a lot of people, both starting out and in that growing business phase. And, you know, you said you've been doing this for seven and a half years. And I'm sure that at some point you went through that. When I guess my question here is, when did you define what your your themes are, your categories are for your mm. blog? And, um, and how hard was it to let go of 
things that you really loved but didn't ultimately serve the core product? Yes. Okay, great question. So this is an evolutionary process. It is not something that you sit down, you do some cute worksheet, and you've got it figured out. Um, We have tools that we work with clients on to get the process started, but we also tell them part of our process is that you do the process over and over and over again, and you never stop. So, you know, when I started my business, I was writing about, um, uh, you know, craftspeople. I was writing about the maker movement. I was writing about fine art and fine craft uh, in my local region. Completely different things than I'm talking about now. Uh, That evolved into, you know, but I started kind of uncovering some of those themes early on. That evolved into talking about uh, independent uh, business, independent lifestyle, um, kind of in broader strokes at a site called Scouty Girl that I ran for a number of years. Um, and again, I started uncovering some of the themes that were most important to me. Independence is actually a huge part of uh, what we do, uncovering what your independent spirit is, uncovering what makes you independent from the rest of the market, that kind of thing. That's still a big part of what we do. And so, you know, that process of writing and developing and starting to edit out things that didn't fit and start drawing attention to what was working and uh, what I got most excited about, that was part of that evolutionary process. And then I moved into the personal brand. From the personal brand, I moved into Quiet Power Strategy as as our, our core brand. And all along the way, I was editing things out and discovering what those themes were. So, um, you know, probably what we talk about in its current iteration has been around for about three years um, but it's still const- it's still evolving now. I'm still better learning what the topics are that are going to be most effective for us and also what I want to talk about most and how I can how I can fit as many different things into that as possible while still maintaining consistency. So I yeah, I don't want anyone to get the impression that this is an exercise that you can do and just figure out right now. It's not, uh, which is why it is so important to be regular regularly blogging, regularly podcasting, and definitely regularly emailing your list so that you can figure out what those themes are, so that you can uncover what's really effective for you, uh, and so that you can start to develop consistency as a muscle that you use in your business so that you do have the ability to constantly be pointing people back uh, to those core offers that you have. Yeah, we're going through this process right now with the ConvertKit blog of um, coming up with those kind of core themes that we talk about. I mean, the ConvertKit blog was um, occasional posts here and there up until I joined the team last November, and now it's two posts a week. And so we've really grown a, a decent amount of blog posts that we can look at and categorize overall and say, okay, what are the outliers that we can stop writing about? What are the the core messages? And and literally creating those blog categories because we're redoing our website, redoing our, our blog layout. And um, so recreating the categories so that it's all very searchable and easily found. And and so that when somebody comes to our blog, they know what they're there to learn just by looking at our categories mm-hmm. um, that we're not going to have, um, you know, random posts about things that aren't our core message. So one of the ones that we struggle with are are we going to keep talking about is customer success. And that's something that we're very passionate about. 
but is it part of the core message of ConvertKit um, and, and email marketing and, and being a, a powerful professional blogger? Um, or is it something that we, you know, we can let go of because there are power players in that field, like Help Scouts blog, um, that really does a great job of covering that topic. And so even though it's something we're passionate about, um, it might not belong on our blog. But we, again, like you said, we have we have a medium. We could definitely have our team posting to the, the medium account where we can talk about some of those broader things, but keeping it really specific on our blog. And so people know exactly what they're going to get when they land there. Yeah, I think you guys are doing such a fantastic job of this too. Because I know there's a number of people in my audience who have told me, you know, ConvertKit's not right for me or it's not right for me right now, but I love reading their blog. And I think that is such a compliment to you guys that you have really excellent content. It's focused. It's focused on the right people, which is also huge. Um, That, you know, there are people that don't even use your product that love your content. I think that's amazing. And that's uh, so great to hear. I love hearing that as, you know, the person who's behind all of that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> I, I'll take that compliment anytime. Um, but like you said, it's you, you have people in your audience who haven't purchased a single thing from you yet and may never, but they're still learning how to build their business the quiet power strategy way by consuming your free content through the podcast, through your blog. And it's all because yeah. of your consistency. Exactly. And we, you know, our business model is set up to realize that we're only going to get, you know, 1%, 2% of the people that we come in contact with uh, to turn into clients. We have a high ticket model for the most part. And, uh, and that serves us really well because I don't need to feel like I have to hold back on content. You know, I don't have to feel like I'm giving away the, the house every time I send out an email or every time I show people behind the curtain of what we're doing. Um, um, and t- I love that. I love that there are thousands of people on my list who will never buy from me, but love getting my emails. Um, and I, I want to write for those people because you never know which one of those people is going to connect me with an amazing speaking gig or with, um, you know, an outlier consulting project or, you know, anything. You never, you never know what those people are going to be what they could provide to you in exchange for providing all of the focused, consistent, useful, valuable content that I've provided to them over the years. Absolutely. Or the referral to a friend to join Quiet Power Strategy who's never heard of you. You know, so it could all lead back to your product. It just might not be that person on your email list. Um, So Tara, you've shared so much with us today. Is there one thing, a person or a blog post or a particular book that has really influenced you the most when it comes to achieving the reach that you have today? Ooh, good question. Um, so I would probably say the the book that I always say, <laughs> which is a good uh, good indicator of the, the power that it's had in my business. And that's it's a very, very small book, um, but it's called 11 Rules for Creating Value in the Social Era by a woman named Nilifer Merchant. Um, we've got an interview with her on my podcast as well. So if you're not interested in the book, that's a good way to engage with some of the ideas too. Um, but that book has been hugely influential to me uh, in a number of different ways. Um, you know, because she talks about 
she does talk about content, not from a content marketing perspective, but from, you know, creating community, creating social uh, currency. She talks about, uh, you know, liberating work from jobs and how your community can do work for you. Um, Not, you know, the kind of work that should be paid for, but the kind of work, uh, like you were just mentioning, referrals or, um, you know, teaching other people what you do. Uh, That's that's been hugely influential. And it's also been hugely influential in uh, how I've chosen to uh, grow my reach, why my reach has grown. uh, And it's a book that I just I recommend to everyone I come in contact with. I'm going to read that book because it's something that is I'm very passionate about. And, um, you know, that what you said about what your community can do for you is something we've definitely seen pay off at ConvertKit. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm putting that on my Amazon list today. Um, <laughs> Tara, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. Um, obviously, people can head to is it TaraGentilly.com is the best place to find you? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's where all the current content is right now. Okay, cool. And then, like you said, we can follow you on Facebook and um, find you in a few different places. And we'll link to all of those in the show notes and on the episode page. Um, so thank you for being here and sharing more with us about what it means to have a quiet power strategy and how to be more of yourself in a digital world. Well, thank you, Val. This was a great conversation. That was Tara Gentile, founder of Quiet Power Strategy. You can find out more about Tara and her programs at taragentile.com. Grab our free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.